Well, let me just take a moment and welcome our West Campus with us this morning. It's good to see you on this beautiful Easter morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, six weeks ago, we began a series where we began looking at a claim that Jesus made. The claim that he was the Son of God. A claim that, if true, sets him apart from every other man who has ever lived. A claim that, if true, affects each and every one of us who has ever lived. A claim that, if true, verifies that he is God in the flesh. But let's be honest this morning. It's easy to make a claim, isn't it? The key is, can we verify that claim? And so what we've been doing is looking at some of the evidence that shows, that proves that Jesus is the Son of God. We we first looked at his birth. Jesus' birth was different than any other man who ever lived. Not only was he virgin born, his birth was not his beginning. You see, for each of us, when we were born, that was our beginning point. That was our starting point, but not Jesus. Jesus existed before he was born. Someone said it this way. Jesus is the only person who was older than his mother and as old as his father when he was born. You see, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. You go back to the beginning of everything that we know. You look back from there and Jesus was there. He's the eternal Son of God. Then we looked at Jesus' life. Jesus' life was different than any other man who who ever lived. And the thing that set his life apart more than anything else was he was sinless. You see, each and every one of us, we've sinned, we've messed up, we've blown it, we've We've fallen short of God's standard, God's glory, God's master plan, but not Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us, yet he never sinned. Jesus was the sinless son of God. Next, we looked at Jesus' power and And probably most of us have met powerful people before, but Jesus had all power. And Jesus has all power. He has power over nature and he has power over the storms we face in life. He has power over demons and he has power over whatever may chain us in this life. He has power over the sicknesses that inflict us and he even has power over death. Jesus is the powerful Son of God. And then we looked at Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' death, and and Jesus died an horrific death. But understand, it was not the way that Jesus died that made his death unique. There was something that was so unique about Jesus' death that when he died, the Roman centurion, the soldier who was over his crucifixion, looked at his body on the cross and said, certainly this was the Son of God. There was something about Jesus' crucifixion that calls that centurion and the men who followed him to begin to follow Jesus. But this morning, I want us to look at the final piece of evidence that I believe proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Son of God, and that is the resurrection. You see, the resurrection is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. You remove it, you 
disprove it and Christianity is destroyed. But if it is true, then that means that everything that Jesus said about himself is true. And everything that Jesus did is true. And it means that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord of all. Now, biblically, when we look at the resurrection, we're told that the resurrection does five things. First, I've already said this, but the resurrection affirms that Jesus is the Son of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, And who, through the Spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God, how? By His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus' defeat of death proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, who he is. No other person has ever died and come back to live, never to die again. And understand, Jesus' resurrection was corroborated by hundreds upon hundreds of people who saw him with their own eyes and were willing to die themselves, proclaiming Jesus is alive. And so the resurrection affirms that Jesus is the Son of God. Next, the resurrection assures us that Jesus' sacrifice for our sins has been accepted. In other words, our sin debt has been paid. Romans 4.25 says, He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins, and He was raised to life for our justification. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it shows that the payment for sins has been received. Jesus' death was enough to set you and I free from the, from the, the agony and the chains of sin. Third, the resurrection declares that Jesus is the judge that will one day judge the world. Acts 17 verse 31 says, For he... God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him, that is Jesus, from the dead. You see, the resurrection proves that he is the one and only one who is worthy to judge mankind. And one day, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. One day, listen, you will stand before the one who shed his blood so that you can have eternal life. Fourth, the resurrection shows that there is life after death. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or have died. So Jesus is the first of many who will be resurrected to life again. In other words, death is not the end. We have an eternity to prepare for. Everybody will live forever somewhere. The only question is where will you spend eternity? Eternity. And then fifth, the resurrection must be believed for us to be saved. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, both of those things are important, confession and belief. You see, the Bible says that to be saved, I must confess something with my mouth. What is that? 
I must confess that Jesus is now my Lord. Jesus is now the master of my life. I have to publicly proclaim that and live it. And then second, I must believe with my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's not enough to believe with my head in the facts. I have to believe with my heart that Jesus is alive, that death, that sin did not defeat him. But what I want us to focus on for a few minutes this morning is not the historical facts surrounding the resurrection, and there are many, or even the theological truth of the resurrection. What I want us to do this morning is look at the practical power in the resurrection. In other words, how can the resurrection change our lives today? How did the power that impacted those first Christ followers change their lives? And how can that power change our life today? Now, you know, and and I know that it is the resurrection that that saves us. It's not only Christ's death, it's his resurrection that saves us. And we know that because of the resurrection, those of us who have placed our faith, our trust in Jesus can have eternal life. But what practical impact does the resurrection have on our life today? You see, that's a question that a lot of people have, isn't it? I, I, know, that, I know that the resurrection is going to impact my life sometime in the future after I die. But the question is, here, today, right now, where I live, what can the resurrection do for me right now? Now, the Apostle Paul was a man whose life was dramatically changed by the resurrection. Before he met the resurrected Christ, his life had one mission, and that was to stamp out Christianity, remove the name of Jesus from the face of the earth. But then Paul met the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. He he met the resurrected, the risen Jesus And his life was changed. I want you to listen to what Paul said in Philippians 3. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now let's stop right there. He said, I want to know Christ personally, intimately, deeply. And then he said, I want to know the power of... Of his resurrection. In other words, I want the resurrection power that brought Jesus back to life to come into my life in such power that it changes everything about me. And I want you to know that the power of the resurrection can do that. And so, what I want us to do is look at at four individuals, four groups whose lives were dramatically changed because of the power of the resurrection. The first thing I want you to see this morning is this. The power of the resurrection has the power to turn our doubts into belief. That's what it did for Thomas. You remember Thomas? We know him by the name Doubting Thomas. Wouldn't you hate it if if some things that you did in your life marked you for all eternity? But we know Thomas is doubting Thomas. The first time that we really hear about Thomas in detail was when Jesus was with his disciples preparing them for his return to heaven. And Jesus said this to his disciples. 
He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And then Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you know the place I am going. Well, Thomas had a problem with that. You see, Thomas was a see-it-to-believe-it kind of person. Thomas was the kind of person that words weren't enough for him. He had to have evidence. He had to have proof. And so Thomas looked Jesus in the eye. And Thomas said this, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? That was doubting Thomas. Well, on this first Easter evening, Jesus appeared to his disciples. But Thomas wasn't there. We don't know where he was. He may have been playing golf. He he may have been out at the lake. It may have been a sunny day. We don't know. We just know he wasn't there. And, And when Thomas came that evening to where the disciples were, I want you to listen to what it says in John 20, verses 24 and 25. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. When the other disciples said, we've seen Jesus, Thomas said, I've got to see it for myself. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate to Thomas. Because I am a doubter by nature. I'm a skeptic. I'm a cynic. I'm not proud of that. I I don't want to be like that. But if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I have to admit, that's how I am. And so I can relate to Thomas. But the neat thing is, Jesus appeared even to doubting Thomas. One week later... Jesus appeared to his disciples and Thomas was there that time. And when Jesus saw Thomas, he said, put your finger in here and put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And when Thomas saw Jesus, the Bible says that he cried out and worshiped Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. Thomas so believed that later on he was martyred for his faith. I've heard people say before that the Christian faith is a blind faith. But, but I want you to know this morning that, that our faith is anything but that. Our faith is a faith that is based upon fact, that can be studied, that can be researched, and, and in my opinion can be authenticated. There are a number of books that that you can go to a library, you can go to a bookstore, and you can pick up that verify the evidence of the resurrection. As a matter of fact, Josephus, who was a Roman historian, who was not a believer, wrote about the resurrection as if it were fact. He was not a Christ follower. And yet he wrote that the resurrection was real. And so if you're here this morning and and you're doubting whether Jesus is the Son of God, whether he was resurrected from the grave, then I would encourage you, examine the evidence, stop doubting and believe. 
You don't have to understand everything to be a Christ follower, but you do have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so I encourage you to examine the evidence, see what history says, and then begin to believe. Take that step of faith. So what doubts do you have? Why haven't you embraced Jesus? Let me encourage you to to look to him, to seek after him, and let him turn your doubts into belief. But you see, the power of the resurrection not only has the power to turn our doubts into belief, the power of the resurrection has the power to turn our sorrow into joy. That's what it did for Mary Magdalene. This was a woman that owed so much to Jesus. We don't know a lot about her. What we do know is that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Seven demons. She may have been a prostitute during that time, destined to roam the streets. We we don't know what she did. We don't know what her life was like. But what we do know is that Satan had a hold on her. Satan had a stronghold on her. But when she met Jesus, all that changed. Jesus set her free. Jesus gave her a brand new start, and she became a devoted disciple of Jesus. She began to follow him everywhere. She even contributed financially to his ministry. When they crucified Jesus, Mary was there. When they buried Jesus, Mary was there. She couldn't believe what had happened. I mean, days before, the crowds were cheering Jesus on, and now he was dead. It was as if her world had fallen apart. She was heartbroken. Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you've been to the point in your life where you felt like your entire world was falling apart. Maybe maybe it was the death of someone you loved. Maybe it was that doctor's appointment where the doctor said, I've got some bad news. Maybe it was when you went into work and your boss called him into your office and told you you no longer have a job. Maybe it was a spouse that told you, I don't love you anymore. But, but you've experienced things in life that seem to rob you of all joy to take all of your happiness away and fill you with sorrow. And that's where Mary was. All her hopes and all her dreams had been shattered. But that Easter Sunday morning when she went to the tomb, all that changed. When she got there, the the stone that was rolled in front of the tomb entrance was gone. There was an angel there. And the angel spoke to Mary and the other women and said, If you're looking for Jesus, he's not here. He is risen just as he said. Now, that's a good word. He's risen just as he said. You know what that tells me? We need to listen to him. We need to listen to what Jesus says. We need to listen to what his word says. Because if we do, it may save us from a lot of grief and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And then the angel said, go and tell his disciples. So they began to run. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, it says this. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There I will meet them. Now notice what that says. They were afraid, yet they were filled with 
joy. Now, don't miss this. Mary's external circumstances had not changed, but her perspective had changed. And that's what meeting Jesus does. Meeting Jesus doesn't always change our circumstances, but meeting Jesus always changes our perspective. We look at life differently. That's why believers can face death differently. That's why believers can face sickness differently. That's why believers can go through economic hardships and relational turmoil differently. Why? It's not that we may not face some of the same circumstances that everybody else does, but but the difference is we have a different perspective. We know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen. We know who the winner is. And because of that, it changes everything. And it gives us a joy that is beyond our understanding. Now, hear me. I'm not saying as Christians we we need to put on this fake smile all the time. I've seen people that do that. I mean, you look at their smile and you know it's fake. That's not what I'm saying to do. But I am saying that, that you need to understand when you recognize Jesus is alive. It should take away your sorrow. And it should fill you with joy and hope no matter what's going on in your life. You see, the power of the resurrection can turn your doubt into belief if you will examine the evidence. The power of the resurrection can turn your sorrow into joy if you will bow down and worship Jesus. But the third thing, the power of the resurrection has the power to turn our fear into peace. That's what we see with those disciples on that first Easter evening. Listen to what it says in John chapter 20 verses 19 and following. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now look what the disciples were doing. They were so afraid that they were cowering behind locked doors because they were afraid the same men who arrested Jesus, gave him a mock trial, had him put to death, were coming for them. They felt like if they came for Jesus, they're going to come for us because we followed Jesus. And so they were in this locked room, scared for their lives, afraid to death. But in the midst of this overwhelming fear, Jesus appeared. And when Jesus appeared, things immediately changed. He gave them peace. Now, do you know why we don't have peace? We don't have peace today for one reason, and that's fear. We don't have peace because we're afraid. We don't have peace because we're afraid of death. We don't have peace because we're afraid of sickness. We don't have peace because we're afraid that we'll lose our job. We don't have peace because we're afraid our spouse will leave us. We don't have peace because we're afraid our our kids are going to go on the wild side or do something crazy. We don't have peace because of what if, the big what if. And you can fill in the blanks, can't you? And we are overwhelmed with these what-ifs of life that rob us of peace 
and fill us with fear. There are some of you here this morning who were overcome with fear. You're wondering, what if the economy crashes? What if it does? What if they tell me I have cancer? What if they do? What if someone I love dies? What, what, what if they do? What if, what if I have a child that, that does go on to the wild side and does something terrible and tragic? Well, what if they do? Here's what I've discovered. In the midst of every circumstance, Jesus can give you peace. Here's what the Bible says. Perfect love casts out all fear. You know what perfect love is? It's God's love. God's love in us casts out, removes fear. The Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So if God doesn't give us fear, where does fear come from? It comes from our enemy who wants to cripple us and rob us of peace. Listen, if Jesus' resurrection defeated our two greatest enemies, Satan and death, what do we have to be afraid of? The answer is nothing. You see, Jesus can take our fear and he can turn it into peace. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in John 14. Peace I leave with you. In other words, when I go on to heaven, I'm leaving you my peace. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You see, the world gives a peace that comes and goes, right? Jesus gives a peace that passes all understanding. And then he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Do you need peace? I can tell you where that peace is found. It's not going to be found in a $100 an hour psychiatrist. It's not going to be found in a bottle of Xanax. So I'm not saying that sometimes some people may not need those things. I'm just here to tell you that peace, lasting peace, peace that passes understanding is found in one place. And it's not in a bottle. It's not on a couch. It's found in Jesus as we go to him. You see, the power of the resurrection has the power to turn our doubts into belief if we examine the evidence. The power of the resurrection has the power to turn our sorrow into joy if we will worship Jesus. The power of the resurrection has the power to turn our fear into peace if we'll allow him to inhabit us. But there's one final thing I want you to see it, and that's this. The power of the resurrection has the power to turn our guilt into purpose. That's what it did for Peter. Do you remember his story? Jesus had just told his disciples that, that every one of them would fall away. And as all the other disciples were contemplating what Jesus had said, Peter just bailed it out, I'll never deny you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And you remember what Peter said. Peter said, I'll die before I deny you. Now, you and I both know that the best of intentions oftentimes fail, don't they? And that's what happened with Peter. He had the best of intentions. He really did. But you know the story. Before the rooster crowed that next morning, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And the Bible says that after he did, he went out and he wept 
bitterly. He was overcome with guilt. He was overcome with grief. He was overcome with shame. He felt like his life was over. He felt like a failure. He felt like a reject as far as the disciple is concerned. And he felt like giving up. That's why I believe in John 21, where it says that Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's why I believe that what Peter was doing was, he said, I'm a failure at being a disciple. I'm a failure at being a follower of Jesus. I'm going to go back to something I'm good at. I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to cast nets again. And that's where Jesus came in. And listen to what it says in John 21, verse 15. And understand, here's Peter. He had been fishing and, and he was a failure at fishing that day. And Jesus said, cast your nets over there. And he did. And the fish came in. He knew that was Jesus. He ran to shore. And in John 21, verse 15, it says this. When they had finished eating, because, because Jesus cooked some fish for them that they had caught. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs three times. Jesus said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Three times. Why three? Maybe because it was three times that Peter denied Jesus. And three times Jesus said, Peter, I want you to know I've got a plan for you. I want you to know I'm not through with you. I want you to know you can't throw in the towel yet. I've got a purpose for you. You have a sermon to prepare. And do you remember what happened about 40 days later? Peter preached at Pentecost. 3,000 people were saved and baptized. This same Peter who had denied Jesus three times. Peter became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. The same Peter that said, I'll never deny you. Peter gave us two of the books in the New Testament. The same Peter that seemed to put his foot in his mouth over and over and over. You see, God wasn't through with him. Have you ever done something that was so bad that you felt like God could never use you again? I mean, I have. You see, I, I, was, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home, and at an early age, I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus saved me. But, but as a Christian who knew better, I made some terrible choices. I denied my Lord through my actions. And in guilt... And in shame, I asked him to forgive me. But I got to be honest with you. I felt like that because of what I had done, he could never use me again. I mean, I was a reject. I was a failure. I mean, how could God use me with how bad I had been? And yet God picked me up. And he put his arms around me. And he said, do you love me? And I said, yeah, I love you. And he said, then follow me. And that's what he says to us. You see, Jesus can turn our guilt into a purpose. No matter what we've done, he can forgive us. Have you denied the Lord? He can take that guilt away. Do you need to be restored? He can restore you because of the resurrection. You can be forgiven. You see, the resurrection has the power 
to turn our doubt into belief if we examine the evidence and take that step of faith. The power of the resurrection can turn our sorrow into joy, a joy that is not of this world if we will worship Jesus. The power of the resurrection can turn our fear into peace, a peace that passes understanding regardless of what is happening in the world around us. And the power of the resurrection has the power to take our guilt, forgive our sin, and give us a purpose in life. He did that back then, and He can do it today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You see, everyone needs to experience the power of the resurrection. We need the power of the resurrection to save us, to restore us, to deliver us. You may need the power of the resurrection to to heal your marriage. You may need the power of the resurrection to help you with depression. You may need the power of the resurrection to deliver you from alcoholism or greed or lust or gossip or pride or, or a controlling spirit. Maybe you're overwhelmed with hurt or guilt and and you don't even know where it's coming from, but he can set you free. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've tried to change your your thoughts or your actions many times, but, but every time you go back to the old way of thinking, the old way of doing, but but Jesus said if anyone is in Christ, He can become a new creation. The old has passed away and and everything becomes new. It's resurrected. He can do that for you. Whoever you are. Wherever you've been. Whatever you've done. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head right now. I want you to close your eyes. And I know there are a variety of people here this morning with a variety of needs. And maybe you're here and you need the power of the resurrection to touch your marriage. To help you with a habit that has a stranglehold on you. To help deliver you from some stinking thinking. I don't know what it is, but but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment right here, right now, where you're sitting. And I want you to pray to God. And ask the power of the resurrection to come into your life and help you with whatever it is that you need help with. And then in just a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. Because there's some of us here this morning who need Jesus to save us. We need his resurrection power to deliver us from our sins and set us free. And he can do that. So pray right now and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Now, let me lead you in a prayer. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, and today you want to take that step of faith, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with all your heart. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning 
admitting I am a sinner. I've rebelled against you. I've disobeyed you. Please forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave to justify me. And today I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me. And make me brand new, I pray. Amen.